Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Political Party Daily. This episode features the SNP's Pete Wishart, who's the SNP candidate for Perth and North Perthshire. He's been an MP since 2001. You may know him from MP4, the parliamentary rock band, who have been the house band on Unspun and at the Christmas Party, uh, the, Christ, the Political Party Christmas Specials. Uh, and they will be accompanying me again this year on the 18th of December. I'm not sure there are any tickets left, but do check on the Bloomsbury website. The guest, of course, is Sadiq Khan. Um, I began by reminding Pete of probably quite an uncomfortable fact. He's the holder of one of the smallest majorities in Parliament. Well, thank you ever so much for reminding me of all that. That's 21 votes as my majority currently. And um, I remember when Stephen Gethins called me in the small hours of uh, the 9th of June two years ago and was congratulating my massive majority. He said, you're not ahead, I've only got 21 votes. I said, I've only got two. <laughs> so it was actually quite it's, um, encouraging to find you'd actually be one of my colleagues who's got a smaller majority than me now. I mean, it's an inc- I mean, it must have been so close. It, on the night itself, you must have had a recount, at I least I mean, there was two recounts. I mean, the first time, after the first round of counting, I was ahead by 36 votes. I thought, goodness sake. And then, obviously, the Tories count asked for a recount, as is their right, and, and as they were awarded. And, of course, it went down to 21 and then all of a sudden I thought, oh God, they only need to find another 11 and I'm doomed. <laughs> and so they asked for another one, which we couldn't resist. And it came in 21 again. So two recounts. I mean, it was one of the most tense nights of my life. But seriously, I thought I was going to lose last time. I mean, everybody was telling me that the Tories were going to take the seat. If there was a uniform swing, I was fourth in line to go in 2017. And of course, they took something like 13 seats from us. And, you know, I mean, um, I really believed it. And, I, and every day I was getting told uh, I was going to lose my seat. You couldn't move for cabinet ministers up here. And, you know, I mean, it was it was just a dreadful campaign. Though I'm a lot happier this time round. <laughs> it must have been... So, I mean, people talk about fine margins in sport. As you say, that comes down to basically 11 people yeah, yeah. who... Could have voted on a whim, could have, you know, if, if the traffic was different, totally. you know, you're talking about such small things. Yeah. Obviously, you won it and you've held it before. So let's, it would be nice to imagine those people went out and voted for you with glee. But when you think about, I mean, it's not just your career, but the fate of nations yeah. hangs sometimes on such small margins. I and mean, it was actually totally remarkable. And the one thing I'll never forget is, like, um, we stayed away to the very last minute before turning up to the polling stations of myself, my partner, and my son. And we went in, and you looked at these pers- perspex boxes now that you see in all the, the, the votes are counted in that. And we were looking at both tables. There, there hadn't been any provisional result at that point. And it was just impossible to tell which one was ahead. They were absolutely identical. And the Tories, of course, thought, thought they had won it. And, you know, I could sense with them that there was a real anxiety and uncertainty, which gave me a bit more encouragement. And, you know, I mean, it was one of these really tense moments. It was a toss of the coin minute, you know, and uh, I was just delighted that it came down on my side. So this time, how does it feel? It feels totally and 
utterly different. You know, I mean, um, I'm not getting all the predictions of doom and gloom that my seat's going to be taken. We're not seeing the same sort of energy in the Conservative campaign. I'm not getting a sense that the, the, the usual traditional message of saying no to a second independence referendum is having any sort of currency and traction in this constituency this time round. And it is mainly a Brexit election, you know, and this is the thing that's consuming everybody. This is a predominantly Remain constituency. So I'm finding it a little bit easier on the doorstep this time round. So they're not targeting you in the same way? You've not had the influx of cabinet ministers nope. and publicity and everything? It's really curious because Theresa May came to Scotland yesterday and she visited every single seat on Tayside, all of my neighbouring Conservative MPs, but she didn't stop here. And I sort of felt missed out. I mean, what did I do wrong? I could have told her where she got her deal wrong, you know, if she came to speak to us here. But it was quite curious that she stayed away and would not get the same type of energy in the campaign. It's, I'm happy about that, of course, but, you know, I mean, it's so different to two years ago. And what, what are the political lessons you draw from the Tories running you so close last time? What does that tell you about what's happening around here? Well, there was parts of my constituency where I did so badly and it was mainly the rural parts and rural Scotland went Tory and we have yeah. to say last time round it was the all all the rural Scotland from the North East all the way down to the borders so in the last two years I've made a concerted effort to really work the rural vote standing up for Scotland's farmers the work I've done in the Scottish Affairs Committee which I chair has been a lot about agriculture and we've made new friends I'm not going to say that they're all going to be decisively voting for me but you know I mean I made a concerted effort to try and engage with them find out what more we could do and hopefully you know like um, make sure that they understood I was a voice for them. And do you think it was partly a reaction against a, a pressure around a second independence referendum that was basically a union Absolutely. surge? Well there was a, a number of things that were going on which totally didn't play out for us in 2017. One was the leadership of Ruth Davidson and you and I of course have met Ruth and she was on our programme together obviously and you know and Ruth very charismatic and diligent leader and likeable and all the things that you would put down as positives to a political leader than it was Ruth's campaign and then there was of course the second independence referendum question like um, Nicola Sturgeon had just said that we were going to have a second independence referendum and just as people were getting used to the Brexit fallout and it was a, we couldn't progress that and, and marshal the arguments for it before Theresa May called the general election so we were caught out by all this and everybody said not another independence referendum after all of Brexit and <laughs> it was just such a tough time. So this time it feels different. Do you feel that this is more about Brexit than the union this yes, time? Yes, definitely. I know, I know my Conservative colleagues, bless them, are trying to make it all about a second independence referendum this time, but it's just not having the same impact and it's just not reaching the doorstep the same way it is about Brexit. I mean, people are consumed with this, you know. I mean, I, I know that this is traditional view that people are bored with it and tired with it, but they've all got an opinion on it. More, like, more people were watching the Parliament channel than BBC Two in some evenings when all this was playing out. So they're fascinated fascinated by this question so like you're spending all this time on the doorstep just explaining what I, what your position was what you believe is going to happen and like just explaining to them and this is my line this is your last ever chance to stop a Tory hard Brexit and people sort of get that too I mean have you encountered this at all on the doorstep where people might say to you um well, look, I know that you're the best candidate round here to, to stop Brexit. I know that the SNP is a Remain party, but I worry that a vote for the SNP is seen as a mandate for a second referendum. And in a seat like this, maybe people are wary of that. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a bit of that. And obviously there's people who don't want a second independence referendum. There's people who are implacably opposed to Scottish independence. I mean, in the independence referendum, 60-40 in favour of the union here. So, like, I know that that is a, a recurrent issue. It's just that there isn't the same energy in here at this time because you know 
you get beyond that by starting to talk about what the election's really about, and it's really about Brexit. I mean, even Sky News have a little ribbon saying Brexit election, <laughs> and there's two words that work like magic on the doorstep in Perth and North Persia. And one of them is Boris, and the other one is Johnson. There is just something about his eaten buffoonery that jars with the Scottish people, and even hardened Tories realise they've got a problem with his leadership. So it's just a, a magic trump card that you could bring out, and all of a sudden the nature of the conversation changes. Trump being the operative word, perhaps, yes. given their relationship and similarities, perhaps. Um, another leader, of course, is Jeremy Corbyn. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of speculation about a potential deal, whatever a deal would be between um, Nicola Sturgeon and, and Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, I suppose, in a way, there are similarities between the parties and some of your principles. You're both anti trident um corbyn's not as perhaps against scottish independence or the principles of a referendum as previous labor leaders have been i mean does he feel more like someone you could do business with well absolutely well i, I did you know i mean I, i've been in the house since 2001 and at the height of high blairism you know i was in a progressive alliance with jeremy with the plague guys and with caroline when she came in we, we worked together i mean i've been a teller with jeremy on about eight occasions i've probably voted more with jeremy corbyn than tom watson has so there, there is a natural fit to a lot of our agendas and you're right to mention some of the things that you do and there is a there is a sense that you know other than the constitutional question there's there's where there's a similarity in our outlook worldview and, and our that general ideology so i mean we, we can can work with them and it is always possible and i always thought that when jeremy took over leadership of the party there would be a, a natural working together and coming together i mean that happened until the file went down from Scottish Labour, never worked with the SNP, and then that all fell apart at that point. But, you know, I mean, if there is to be a Labour-led government, I mean, and if it's dependent upon SNP's votes of support in order to get stuff through, then we'll be looking at that on a case-to-case basis. But it's, it's all about an independence referendum, and I'm encouraged by some of the things the Labour Party is saying about this, and so if they're prepared to sort of say to us that this is possible, or it's something that they'll be able to look at, I think it's all good stuff in terms of your influence in the party you, you were tempted to run for the deputy depute leadership um last year but didn't stand i was surprised that you didn't stand yeah i mean i, I had a look at it and I, I put out a few feelers but i wanted to, to do it on my own basis which was a pragmatic approach to scottish independence referendum and i was getting a sense that the in my view about scottish independence referendum should be held at the optimal time for success i never want to go through the feeling of losing another independence yeah. referendum again but there was a, a a view in the party that you know like the mandates in place it has to happen now, use the mandate, and all this sort of, this I wouldn't say impatience, and I can understand impatience, but there was just a sense that they wanted to do it immediately, and when I've got a more pragmatic view about how that should work. I think that would surprise people, you know, and it slightly surprised me a bit, because my impression is you just, you know, you want it as soon as possible, rather than, well, not that you wouldn't want it at the optimum point, but I would always think that you would have been a part of the party saying, sooner rather than later. No, I mean, mean, for me it's about winning, it's all about winning, and I, I just Put, put forward the suggestion and notion that you do it at the point where you've got best chance of success and that, that means building up support. So for me, it's just now it's all about making sure we get sustained majority support for independence. And we're beginning to get to that point now with a couple of opinion polls which are really encouraging, showing we're around the 50% barrier. A few more months, we might be able to get beyond that. I think this election will be quite illustrative about where we actually are with this. If the SNP does well and picks up seats, I think then that, that helps to sort 
sort of progress the, the view that this is becoming the convention, conventional view in Scotland. And it's at that point we want to have an independence referendum. And I think that, that that's one of the key things that I try to put forward in my now, as you quite kindly said, you know, <laughs> non-existent deputy leadership campaign. <laughs> you, um, as well as being the MP for here, you've chaired the Scottish Affairs Select Committee with distinction. I mean, do you feel, just personally as a politician, that... Um, your role is changing in a way. Pete Wishart's role in the SNP in, in Scottish politics is changing. Time people call me a veteran now, you know. <laughs> and, and because I'm now the longest serving Scottish Member of Parliament, some of my colleagues gently chime me that I'm the feather of the hoose. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's always a, a, a little bit, do I like that or not? So, like, I've, I've had all these things, and it's 18 years I've, I've been in Parliament now. So, so like, I am looked upon as, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm only in my 20s, for goodness sake. <laughs> Thankfully, this is um, a podcast, you're not able to see that. But um, it, it's. It, it, has changed and being the chair of the Scottish Affairs Committee has been brilliant. I mean, if somebody told me back in 2001 when there was five SNP MPs, I'd end up as the chair of a, the first SNP chair of a select committee, I would never have believed them. And here it is, you know, and it's been a fantastic experience. I mean, Parliament has given you such an amazing platform, and obviously, you would rather be in an independent Scotland running everything from, from Holyrood. Is there anything about Westminster life that you would miss. I mean, I, you know, I like it, Matt. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we, and obviously, we've got the MP band that plays in, in, in your programmes, and we very much enjoy it. And there is a camaraderie amongst all of us as MPs, particularly, you know, in, in my colleagues in MP4. There's there's lots of good things about Westminster. But I happen to believe it's the premier debating chamber in the world. There's no one, no place, no institution, no parliament, nobody that debates the way we do. And if yes. you're able to do that, command that place and make a good speech and ensure that you can walk away. Leaving the House of Commons after being in a debate, knowing you've done well, is one of the most satisfying experiences you'll ever have. Now, do I want to leave the place? Of course I do. It's everything that is wrong about the management of Scotland and the, our place within what's supposed to be a, a union of equals. So I'm desperate to get away from it. But as an institution, there's lots of good stuff that goes on in there. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another another place where you got a platform is on social media. And I remember uh, before we met, and obviously we know each other well now, we've worked together, we, we uh, did Unspun together, we're MP4 of the house band, and uh, you were such a big personality on that, and we do these Christmas specials every year, uh, uh, we did it this year at the Bloomsbury Theatre. You were completely different to how I imagined, and I was I was really worried about meeting you because you were so ferocious on social media. I thought, oh no, he's gonna not physically attack me, but I just thought, oh god, he's gonna hate me. He's, he's gonna be really angry, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be scared. And you're one of the nicest people I've ever met. That, that's so funny. I mean, you, you remember the first time we met? It was uh, we were question, question time, time together. With Ken Livingston. And you and I we, we had a chat, and it was a Ken Livingston breakdown. It was the first of his right. really weird views, and you and I were just looking. 
each other thinking, what on earth is this? So it didn't become anything between you and I, you know, and, That's right. and, and, and it was all about Ken. And of course, we just sat back and, and watched this. And then the meltdown continued, didn't it? And, That's and right. That was the first time you met. But I mean, social media is an important aspect of what we're doing. And I think over the years, I've perhaps mellowed a little bit, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I think you have, yeah. And I think it's a good thing you have because I think I would never want you to give a wrong impression of yourself. Because the people shot I know is is friendly and open and, and warm and funny, but what, based on your social media, I thought, oh no, he's gonna. We I was kind of apprehensive about meeting you. Know? I would maybe, ne- maybe re- re- reactively angry Pete for you. Would that, that, would that do? Well, no, I think it's really. I think it's made me, and not just you, but I think a lot of us think about actually how we come across yes, on social media. And it is, you know, you can. We can all present versions of ourselves on there that perhaps aren't our best selves. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed your your <laughs> social media has kind of changed. Really, you're you're more you're softer these it's days. It's more a feather of the who's social media. <laughs> yeah, show, exactly. Yeah. More befitting of a yes. of an elderly statesman of Scottish politics. Oh, thank you. It's not often I'm praised by Matt Ford like that. So. I'll oh well, we we have a good laugh, <laughs> yes, don't we? We we get on. I mean, it's one of the great things I think about about knowing you and just in general about MP4 in particular actually is this cross-party band of Greg Knight from the Conservatives Pete Wishart from the SNP Kevin Brennan from the Labour Party and and Ian Causey from the Labour Party and as harsh as this period has been Brexit independence everything else the four of you get on like a house on fire we're all great mates and uh like it's, it's, I think it's 12 years we've been together as a, a, a rock band just now. We've got to the stage of actually being reasonably competent. You know, You're so a brilliant band. Well, thank you for that. And we, we, we actually practice quite hard and we always try and make sure that we don't let ourselves down when we're, we're making um, any public appearances. But it's, it's, a, it's a great little thing. We're the only rock band, parliamentary rock band, anywhere in the world, you know. And it's, it is great fun and we've become such good friends. And it was supposed to be Kevin's 60th birthday, as you know. Recently. I know, the other Friday. And we're all supposed to be there for... It was supposed to be one of our last shows before the general election, and of course it was the day before the Saturday sitting, and poor old Kevin had to cancel his birthday party, and of course we were all down ready to play at this, and it had to be abandoned, unfortunately. Although it did get mentioned in Parliament. It did, yes. I think the Prime Minister. It was, it was Boris that mentioned it, wasn't it? Oh, the Honourable Member for Cardiff Central, or whatever it was, he said, I was like, I was meant to be at that party. It's not often a birthday party you're meant to be at. Exactly. Refer- so, is referenced by the PM. So what we'll do, Matt, we'll do something for Kevin in, in the new year, Oh, that'd be a good idea. Make sure it's some, some sort of sixtieth party. But do you, do, do, you, do you have political tensions in the band ever, or are you good at managing those? Well, there is political tension in the band, but it's usually between the two Labour members. You know, <laughs> the rest of us seem to get. I mean, Greg and I just look at each other, thinking, what, what could they find to argue about this time round? I think Kevin and I had a bit of a fallout once, and it was quite weird because we're just about to go on stage, <gasps> and all of a sudden, Kevin and I found ourselves in this really weird political discussion. I've got no idea what it was about, and of course, we had to quickly forget about it to do our show. He was throwing daggers at me. And I was throwing daggers at him, and we got through the set, you know. And they said, "Let's never do that. Let's never have a political discussion before we do a gig again." And we very rarely do, but no, we all get on great, and it's a fantastic little band. Oh, it's great! And obviously, we do our Christmas special every year. We have our summer party in in Edinburgh as well that we all do together. And it is there's just something so reassuring about seeing. I mean, obviously, four grown men should be able to get on with each other. Um, in terms of music, obviously, it's played a huge part in your life. I still encounter people who don't know that you were in Runrig, which is incredible yeah. given how much. Um, it's not as hap- if I don't mention it enough. Well, exactly. I was trying to find a, pol- a, a polite way of saying it. But I mean, the clip I watch more than any other is uh, Loch Lomond, live at Loch Lomond. 
I mean, it just must have been. It, was that the best run oh, gig of all time? Yeah. I mean, it was just extraordinary. I mean, it was our, our first real headline gig as a sort of stadium festival act, and we sold forty thousand tickets in a few days. We could have sold two or three times. Yeah, and it was just something about that point with run rig that we completely got in tune with what the Scottish people were wanting culturally, politically and musically and yeah. run rig summed all of that up you know it was just after the um, the uh, the debate about the Scottish Parliament the Scottish Parliament was beginning to start to get in place again and you know like we just we, we were the soundtrack to the emerging case for the Scottish Parliament and everybody wanted to be at that concert and it was looking out it was just a sea of faces it was just quite, quite remarkable and I'll never forget that you know and one of the I mean people still ask me you know like what's the difference between what I do now as an MP and my <laughs> former career as a musician that I know will never get an encore as a member of parliament and one minute everybody's cheering and clapping and shouting your name and the next minute they're aggressively intervening and trying to shout you down you know I mean it's, it's quite remarkable the difference there is between the music being a musician but at that point where you're in a massive band you played the pyramid stage at Glastonbury yeah. you've done big big gigs did you ever think at the back of your mind I'd like to go into politics one day yeah always really yeah I mean run rig when you know Donnie Monroe through yeah. Parliament twice, the singer of Rundrig, and all the rest of the guys had a real keen interest in politics. I was a student union president, and I was actually was on the National Union of Students executive with people like Tommy Sheridan, like wow. uh, Jack McConnell, Pauline yeah. McNeil. We were all in the NUS together, and so politics has always been a, a real interest of mine. And I always sort of ha- had a hankering that I would probably go into politics. Rundrig was brilliant because it combined uh, love of music and politics, and there was this really strong political cultural agenda were run particularly around land ownership in the Gaelic language and that was great but you know I mean it, it got to the point where I was getting a bit restless and I wanted to move on and to give this a bash you know and then it was just the right time for me to, to get into to, to, uh, to get politics it was just grateful this constituency emerged and 18 years ago now you know never played a keyboard in real anger since <laughs> did you um, although you have played Don't Look Back in Anger on a keyboard I've seen you do that have you uh, did you start out as a Nationalist, or was it? Did you go through a kind of socialist phase or anything yeah. first? I, mean, I think everybody from my generation. I'm born in the sixties, and my father was a labourer in Brasyth dockyards, and my grandfathers were NUM National Union miners, activists, and so I was always going to be brought up in a labour tradition, and, and I was. And my first membership was in the Labour Party, and I was in the Labour Party as a student, and you know, like uh, into my early twenties. And it was only what, what changed, and people asked me like, what made me go from being in the Labour Party to the SNP, and it was Runrig that changed that. And it wasn't because the rest of the guys were all big um, nationalists. It was, we'd play in places like Denmark, Sweden, Norway, yeah. small independent nations, and there were all there was a social cohesiveness, this sort of buy into a cultural agenda that was so impressive and something that really impressed us. Then we'd come back to Glasgow in the 1980s and deindustrialisation and all the the misery of Thatcher's Britain, and we, and I, I just thought we could have a bit of that we could do what they're doing and it was just being there and experiencing it that made me more of the view that this is what Scotland could become and it wasn't anything that, that Labour did though yeah. that, that huge issue with Tony Blair when he came into power but um, you know it was more about that than anything else and that's that's that is uh, has been the path since I mean I suppose yeah. for you with Corbyn I suppose presents an opportunity to have the politics you started out yeah 
Yeah. Woman side. I've got no issue at all with, with Jeremy's politics, and there's there's nothing that he said or done that you know I find anything problematic with. I mean, the the, diffi- the difficulty is this constitution, the constitutional question, you know, and if Labour look like they may be getting into a better situation position with that, so that we'll see what happens. I mean. There's issues about Jeremy's leadership. I've known Jeremy from the 18 years I've been in Parliament. I've worked very closely together together with him when we were that little progressive alliance. And I, and I look at how he struggles sometimes in debates and Prime Minister's questions and you think, you never ever thought you were going to be doing this. You never prepared yourself to be this leader and that's why you're doing it so badly, you know. But in terms of what he offers as a policy agenda, there's there's not much that I disagree with. But in terms of what he offers in leadership, I think there's big questions about that. So we're having a we're having a Christmas election. Yes. It's cold enough in Scotland <laughs> as it is sometimes. I mean, do you, do you have any tips for how people campaigning this election should look after themselves? Well, we've just bought in a whole load of little torches for our clipboards and and gloves. Great idea. So that that's all available to anybody that goes out canvassing just now. We were out in Aberfeldy, which is about as far north of my constituency as you could get. It was minus five. <gasps> it was absolutely freezing. And we've had such cold nights recently, and it's really just keeping warm. And what, what you know is that when people open the door, this hot air, you know, comes out from them, and you don't want to detain I thought you them say too. From you. Yeah, well, they'll get hot air from <laughs> me too. But you, so you you, don't, you know not to detain people too long on the doorstep, and you know then there seems to be a window that seems to be optimal for us, and it's probably the same for most other candidates. Is between half past four and half past six. Beyond seven, people are not answering okay, the door. I'm talking to Pete Wishart. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've got that period. I think you need to do your canvassing. Do you have any? I mean, do you remember any? I don't know. I'm putting you on the spot here mishaps on the doorstep or, or mistakes or you know uh, funny moments we've had so many emailed in from all parties where people have made awful you know mistakes or war stories from the campaign trail it, sometimes when it's dark you can't tell if it's a mister or a missus and you've got oh your God, and you're, yeah. you're trying to, to, desperately to see is it a mister or a missus and you're getting that wrong and if I've not got my glasses on I can't really tell and you're nothing more can offend somebody than that but there was there was once when I chapped on the door and it, and it opened up and I was hearing some sort of strange noises coming from upstairs and I thought what? So I said, hello hello and all you heard and it, was, it was quite apparent that there was a couple having sex I'll just leave my leaflet here and move on to the next house then <laughs> oh wow and, and do, do you have any idea how they voted no I don't, I don't know I mean that's uh, hopefully it would be for me but um, who knows <laughs> Pete um, I, and again I know this is putting you on the spot and I've asked every guest and this is asked with all the caveats of being a, a while to election day yet and volatile polling and all the rest of it and you can you could put it in as vague a word as uh, wording as you like. But in terms of a prediction for the outcome of, of the election, what what does your what does your gut tell you? Well, I think all the evidence is suggesting it's going to be a conservative victory. I think it's either going to be between a, a clear conservative majority or a hung parliament, a, a minority conservative government, and I hope it's the latter. I mean, I, th- I think that you know there's still a number of episodes to play in the whole yes. question, and that that will be played out probably more. You know, like um, with all the great interests that 
shape up this debate being there if it's a hung parliament or a conservative majority, conservative minority. If it's a conservative majority, then it's all it's all done, and they're probably going to achieve and secure this in a minority of people who now want it. And I, I think that would just be an appalling outcome to three years of debate and negotiation and argument about what we want. So, like, I think that the best result would be some sort of hung parliament where all the different constituent part of the Brexit question are still in play, and we get to a better place than where we could be. And, and for Scotland, what's your prediction? Do you think the SNP will make gains? I definitely think we'll make gains. I think there's nothing, again, that's suggesting that we won't. I mean, like, it wasn't a good timing for an election for us two years ago. It's, we're certainly in a better place just now. I think Labour are in real trouble in Scotland. I mean, what I'm hearing from colleagues who are contesting the Labour Party, it's all looking bad for them. I think it's just a matter of, you know, like, how far we could recover some of the seats we lost from the Conservatives. I think they will lose seats. I'm not sure how many, and there's... Obviously, it's all individual contests, so we can't tell that, but I think we're going to have a good night. We shall, uh, we shall see if those predictions come true. Pete, thank you so much. My pleasure. Great. Cheers. Cheers. Well, there you go. Pete Wishart from the SNP. It was amazing going up and seeing him in Perth. And the train journey from Edinburgh to Perth is one of the most beautiful train journeys you could do anywhere. Uh, so I thoroughly recommend it. And he's... I mean, we talked to Emily Thornbury about the technology she uses in order to repel uh, all uh, manners of weather. He's got amazing clipboards with lights and all sorts of things on. So it'd be fascinating to see what happens there. But I thought really interesting that last time he was really worried, this time... When we spoke, it didn't feel as if, though, the Tories were targeting him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, up in Scotland. Keep your stories coming in from the campaign trail, politicalparty at gmail.com. Doesn't have to be from this election. Uh, I had one here from Philip. He says, uh, I was the campaign manager for a Conservative candidate at the 2010 election. We did a big survey to every household, more than 40,000 of them, with a free post return. All pretty standard so far. I managed to mix up part of the postcode of the constituency office with part of the postcode for my home address. Frantic phone calls that afternoon to Royal Mail, who said that if the postcode I'd put down was for a different sorting office than the one the, the constituency office, we would incur a £1.37 fee for every survey returned. They would need to go and check and let me know. I had a very nervous night. In the end, all was fine, and I never told the candidate. Oh, my word. Um, he said, at the time of the 2017 dissolution, now a member of the cabinet, we ended up receiving almost 10,000 back. Imagine that. Imagine that. That would have been like a 13,000 Oh, my word. Uh, he said it was, would have been a hugely expensive mistake. He said, after the 2010 election, I moved um, and started working in the office uh, of an MP who was also the agent for the local association. We had local elections where I was responsible for over 50 candidates and was standing as myself. As well as sorting out nomination papers, I had to do my own. I left it late, but set out to get my required signatures. I thought I'd combine walking round to get the signatures with walking my dog, Columbo. In my rush... I neglected to take dog poo bags. Big mistake. One of the ladies due to sign my papers lived near the top of a big block of flats. I rang the bell and wait. While waiting for it to come down, my dog does a massive shit on the pavement and after frantic searching, I realised I had nothing to pick it up with. Nothing except the electoral roll I was using to find people who would sign my papers. The end result was that the lady opens her door just in time to be greeted by me gingerly holding a sheet of paper covered in dog poo in one hand and my nomination papers in the other. Oh, my word. Philip, what have you been through? 
If you've had a similar experience to Philip, do get in touch. Politicalpartypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, just a reminder, tickets for the Christmas special, if there are any left, they'll be available on the Bloomsbury website. And tickets for my tour, Brexit Pursued by a Bear, you can get through my website, mattford.com slash live. The first day to that tour is at the Salford Lowry um, in January. And I've forgotten the date. Uh, Tuesday the 14th of January there you go thank you for listening to this please share tell everyone about it shout it from the rooftops and uh, leave a review please that does help and I'll see you tomorrow tomorrow